Welcome to the Sifted podcast supported by our sponsors, Zendesk for Startups, and recorded at Dream Factory in Shoreditch. I'm Amy, Sifted's editor. And I'm Eleanor, Sifted's deputy editor. And at Sifted, we report on Europe's tech and startup sector. And on this podcast, every week we talk about some of the top stories that we've covered. We look at where our journalists have been, who they've met, and we discuss the latest big news stories. Today, we're going to be talking to Berlin reporter Miriam Partington about Atomico Angels, the program that the VC firm Atomico runs, where they give $100,000 to select individuals in the ecosystem to invest in early stage startups. And Miriam's also going to be telling us about hot German startups to watch. We're also going to be talking to our writer, Aina Kelly, about a piece he did on the wacky, weird world of NFT heists and what's been going down at Paris Blockchain Week. And based on some of the photos that he sent me from Paris Blockchain Week, it's going to be weird. Yep, we are very excited about this. But back in the UK, big headlines, WageStream, which is a kind of ethical, well, it bills itself as an ethical alternative to the payday lender. So basically, it's an app that helps people draw down some of their salary before the end of the month if they need, you know, top up of their bank account midway through the month. It's just raised $60 million to expand to the US and has used the S word. It plans to become a super app. So, Amy, can you tell me what is a super app? Yeah, so there are a few apps in the world that consider themselves super app. So probably the best example is WeChat in China, but there's also Gojek in Indonesia. And these are apps that enable you to do kind of everything. So they are a bank, but they are also your transport app. They are also where you shop. They're where you kind of do loads of things you need for life on your phone. And they kind of the holy grail for lots of apps because you know if you're so hooked on the app use it for everything then lots and lots of money making opportunities for said app but to be clear wagestream isn't actually claiming that it's going to be doing taxis and e-commerce anytime soon it told us that it wants to be a financial super app so it wants to do things like help people switch energy provider change their broadband their phone bill their insurance and do things like rental deposits so lots of things you would need throughout life uh, to do with finance it's thinking of getting into those areas what else has been going on other news stories elena Yeah, we also had a super interesting news story this week that I worked on a little bit with our reporter Freya about the company British Volts. They're a startup that is building the UK's largest gigafactory. And if you're not familiar with the term, that's a term that Elon Musk coined for these huge factories that you need to create electric vehicle batteries. Um, They've been hailed by the British government as building the future of British industry and helping the country reach its carbon goals, carbon reduction goals. And they are actually, interestingly enough, hit by a lawsuit that Freya wrote about this week, where a private equity firm that they'd been working with before sued them for unpaid fees. Um, The private equity firm said that they were going to help British Volts bring in investors and British Volts brought in those investors, and the private equity firm asserts that they were eligible for fees for helping bring in those investors. So it's not the first time that the company has had a little bit of controversy. One of the founders also had some legal difficulties, and then they also have had to relocate the factory site before. So 
it's complicated to build a gigafactory. Yeah, and we're watching this one closely. So if you have any tips on British Vault you want to send to Freya, she's Freya at sifted.eu. And then another piece we that was really popular on the site this week was that D2, a London-based VC firm, has just launched a new financing option for startups. And this is part of a broader trend in which lots and lots of startup founders are starting to question whether they want to take money from VCs in which you usually give them a chunk, you know, a share equity in your company in exchange for capital. And they're looking for other ways to build their business and get financing, which doesn't involve them giving away so much ownership. So what are some of the other ways that startups could raise money? Yep. So there's more and more providers who offer debt. So the reason that startups traditionally haven't just gone to a bank and got a loan like a normal person might do is because they're really risky businesses and they don't actually have you know, they maybe haven't turned a profit. So, you know, a normal bank isn't going to want to lend them money because they don't look like a great prospect. But there are now debt providers specifically for these kind of businesses who understand the dynamics a bit more. There is also a growth of what we call revenue-based financing. So they typically lend to startups, subscription startups that can show kind of recurring revenue. So they're kind of considered a bit of a safer bet. And these companies will loan them money in exchange for a fee or an interest rate, but they won't take a share of the business. So that's also an attractive option for lots of founders. And we're also seeing, which we've been writing about quite a bit, a rise of businesses that decide to bootstrap for a while. So they don't take any funding from investors. And then once they've grown the business to a significant stage, then they're turning to these kind of options. But back to D2, they've raised a £20 million fund in which they will invest in startups via the classic, you give us some equity, we give you some money route. But they will also offer money in exchange for a share of startups revenues over a certain time period, which is something reasonably new in Europe. So quite an interesting one to watch the take up of that. I think it's been really interesting to see European founders get much more comfortable with these different kind of financing methods. Um, and I think that's really just another symbol of the maturity of the ecosystem as well. So it'll be interesting to see if there's going to be more VCs that offer a suite of not just equity financing, but actually different kind of financings. So anyway, if you're a VC that's working on that, would love to hear from you. Please reach out and get in touch. And that brings us to our first interview of the day with Aina, who is actually in Paris right now, looking around what's happening in the NFT ecosystem. And he's going to talk about a super interesting story he wrote. We hear about people making millions of dollars on NFTs, but what about the people that have lost a lot of money? Aina talked to them. So I loved this piece from Aina. He filed it and it was just one of those pieces where you read it and you're like, this is fantastic. So tell us how it opens, Aina. How's the how do you how do you set the scene? Yeah, sure. Glad you enjoyed it, Amy. So I opened with a guy called Dimitri Papadopoulos. He's a Cypriot who lives in Athens. And he lost fifteen hundred dollars last year trying to buy a cartoon monkey, <laughs> uh, so-called Baller Ape Club NFT. And NFTs are these uh, digital assets. I think you all know that by now. So he was trying to buy this on Discords, which is the social message boards. It uh, looks a bit like Reddit. And 
Yeah, he was one of these rug pull victims, one of these scam victims. Explain, Aina, what, what is a rug pull? Yeah, a rug pull. So it's when the rug is pulled out from underneath you, when you think you're buying a legitimate NFT and actually just turns out to be a scam. And you only find out at the last minute when the scammer just deletes the Discord page. Every NFT project has a Discord page and a Twitter page and all of it is wiped in the end. The scammer just cuts and runs with the money. So is it a bit like I'm trying to buy Glastonbury tickets and I'm on the website and I'm all there and I'm putting in my card details and I'm putting in my card details and the website keeps crashing and then the website just disappears? Is that kind of the equivalent of what's going on? Yeah, it's very like that. So he kept pressing mint. So these NFT sales are called public mintings. And he kept pressing this mint button and he just kept getting a message saying your transaction failed. And he kept clicking, he kept clicking. And eventually he went on Twitter to see if anyone else was having this problem. Lots of people were, it turns out. And all the while his wallet was being gradually emptied. And yeah, he lost 1500 and how common is this? Is this happening all over the place or is this quite rare? This seems to be happening a lot. I spoke to one guy, a YouTuber in France called Frank Bossy. He runs a YouTube channel called NFT Watchdog. And he loves scams. He loves reverse engineering these scams and explaining them. And he estimates that about 70% of people in NFT are scammers. Now, it's really hard to pin a figure on that, but it seems to be a very high number. There's this marketplace called OpenSea, and they put out some findings last year that said about 80% of people on their sites are scammers, first-time people who, who make NFTs on their site. So, yeah. Aina, that's, that's insane. Why is this not being regulated, and why, why does anyone risk it if it's a world full of dodgy, dodgy people? People risk it because there is one successful example of an nft called the board a yacht club which is genuinely worth quite a bit of money at the moment like three hundred thousand or something like that so people really want to get in on the next board ape basically and there's so many copycats ape or monkey nfts out there and there's a lot of hype behind them i think you know these scammers are pretty good this is a real hype uh, driven market and you know frank bossy this nft watchdog guy estimates that there's entire teams buying some of these heists and they're spending a lot of money maybe investing thousands of pounds into making these nfts look legit and a lot of people are are falling for it and what about on the you know a, a government or financial regulators getting involved at all yeah there's various promises to bring like the whole crypto industry under more scrutiny some of that's already happening. I mean, cryptocurrency firms are being forced to comply with the know-your-customer rules that are, that are common in traditional finance. So for NFT projects, I think they'll eventually be forced into more of this kind of compliance. I think they should seriously consider how influencers can be held better responsible for the contents they push. I know there are rules around influencer advertising, but... There's a lot of experienced crypto people now who are highly critical of influencers for like mindlessly promoting NFTs. And there is some kind of attention now on this, this whole industry from law enforcement. The FBI in America arrested two 20-year-olds for, for doing rug pulls. So that was the, the first high-profile police involvement, and there may be more to come. 
And is it a topic on on people's lips in Paris this week at the at the blockchain and NFT events that you've been hanging out at, or are people just looking for monkeys? People are looking for monkeys wherever they can find them. This this was my first crypto conference, and yeah, it was crazy popular. Tickets were selling for many thousands of euros to this Paris blockchain event. So yeah, tech. Tech, as we know, it is very male. I would say crypto, for the time being at least, is very, very male. A lot of young guys around, a lot of baseball hats, a lot of traders, only a handful of dudes wearing suits. And there's just a lot of, a lot of hype, a lot of expectation about this next iteration of the internet web tree. And it's a bit chaotic. I heard a lot of people in the various sessions I attended, I heard a lot of people trying to describe this metaverse future. And there was one guy on stage, and I quote, he said, you're going to see a lot of shit NFTs and a lot of shit crypto projects over the next 12 months. And another quote from him, a lot of cash grabs while this whole Web3 universe is still being put together. So there's plenty to look forward to, of course. Thank you, Aina. You painted a great picture of (laughs) what it was like on the ground this week. Eleanor, are you going to be buying any bored, bored monkeys anytime soon? I only buy Pokemon cards. This podcast is brought to you by Zendesk for startups. Zendesk helps startups build lasting customer experiences from day one. With the Zendesk for Startups program, startups get Zendesk customer support software for free for six months. You'll get access to expert advice and a community of founders and CX experts to help you build the foundation for long-term growth. Learn more and claim your six months free at zendesk.com forward slash sifted. And next, we're going to be talking to Miriam Partington, our Berlin correspondent, about a piece that she just did on the Atomical Angel program. So a lot of VCs in Europe have been setting up these angel programs or scout programs where they give money to people in the ecosystem that might be operators, that might be founders, could be community organizers to go out and invest in early stage startups. And the idea with these programs is that this helps the VCs get access to early stage deal flow. So, for example, Atomico Series A investor, their angels will be investing at pre-seed very early stages, but that's going to allow them to to get startups on their radar. And a lot of VCs also say that this is really great for helping raise the next generation of potential VCs. So something that people struggle with when they try to become a VC is that they don't have a track record. But if you can say that you've been an angel, you can point to your angel portfolio, that's actually a track record. So one day, these angels or scouts could probably look to raise a fund. So um, Miriam, tell us a little bit about what's new with the Atomical Angel Program. It's been it's one of the oldest in Europe. It's been around for a while, but what's new this time? Yeah, so last year they they basically recruited eighteen angels at the beginning of the year, and that and they were meant to stick around for the first year. So it's like a twelve month program. But I think they found that they would meet great people throughout the year that they wanted to recruit, but then they'd have to wait until the end of the year in order to approach them and be like, hey, do you want to join the program? So what they've done this year is that they've got an initial cohort of eight people and then they have this kind of rolling admission. So every month they're going to aim to bring on maybe one, two even more if they find more great people. So that basically just means that they can bring people on when they feel like it rather than having to wait until the end of the, the 12 months. And they all get $100,000 to invest, don't they? And can they, can they just invest in anything? 
I think they they try to be very flexible about it. I don't think they want to like give official guidelines about what they should and should not invest in because the whole idea is these VCs want to get their tentacles into industries that they've never you know, been able to before via their own network. So I think they kind of just want them to go forth and do their thing. But of course, there are like some things that they're not allowed to invest in, like firearms or drugs or, you know, just just the typical things that VCs don't tend to invest in. And who's on it? There's a certain former stand-in host of the Sifted podcast in the list, isn't there? Yeah, that's true. Um, Steve O'Hears in there, who's a former TechCrunch journalist, and now he's at grocery delivery startup Zap. And then you've got Frederick, the co-founder and CEO at Scooter App Foy, and also Maria Raga from Depop, the fashion app. Super cool. And zooming out a little bit, Miriam, like what what does this tell us about European tech? What can we infer? Well, I guess it means that there's kind of a bit of an effort to democratize access to angel investing, right? this whole idea of what an angel is, right? It's someone that has a lot of personal wealth. And I think the dynamic now wants to change a bit in terms of getting people that maybe don't have these networks, that don't have that wealth, that you know haven't had the chance to previously to actually be able to invest in startups. And it means that also like with other people getting a look in and like more diverse investors out there, that then means that they're going to be investing in more diverse companies. So Overall, it's kind of creating a more diverse ecosystem. But since loads of VC firms now have these kinds of programs, maybe this is going to make it harder to actually recruit angels. And then I don't know what it says about the future. Like, is this going to be an effective method of like scouting deals? Yeah, I want to be a bit cynical. I think they talk the good talk about this helping the diversity of the ecosystem. And I think it does and it's great because it does enable startup operators and you know lots of like women and people of color who you know otherwise frankly like there aren't that many of them angel investing but I think it's also a sign that competition is really hotting up in Europe and VCs as you said earlier Miriam like want to get their tentacles into sectors and into different geographies way earlier and if they've already made a connection with a company via a scout or an angel program at like the pre-seed or seed stage then they're way more likely to win a super competitive series A or series B. But on the flip side of that it also is complicated because if the VC whose angel invested in that company doesn't invest at the Series A, startups and founders are concerned that that's going to send some signal to the market that they weren't good enough, right? Um, so I think there's also like that really uh, difficult kind of reputational risk that's also involved. And you had another fun story this week, Miriam, about German tech startups to watch. Can you tell us a little bit about which ones are hot? What exactly were you looking at when you called them hot? Yeah, so we were looking at the kind of fastest growing startups by headcount in the last 12 months. And this was actually quite surprising for me because there are lots of companies on there that I'd never heard about. So it was it was quite interesting also just to see the trends of like what's emerging. So one of the startups that was on there was Helsing, so a deep tech company, which admittedly I'd never heard of before. So they've managed to grow their team by like 291%. So they now have 86 people. But I think what's interesting about this startup is that it was one of Spotify founder Daniel X's first investments from his own fund. So he's pledged to plug like 1 billion into deep tech so-called moonshot projects. And this was the first investment that he made. And then our old friend Gorillas is still on there as well. 
Yeah, gorillas seems to be hiring like crazy. And honestly, just anecdotally, like, you know, I, I speak to gorillas riders quite frequently because in Berlin, it seems like every other person is a is a rider. But people always say, you know, like every week in the warehouse, there's like two or three more people that they just don't know. So it does seem like they're expanding like crazy. But I don't know whether that's actually a positive thing or not. Like, does this mean that there's problems with retention? I don't know. Or it could mean that they are just growing so fast and there's such high demand that they need more people. And we've even seen a couple more unicorns emerge in Germany in the past couple of weeks, like Chaco. So it looks like Germany is just going from strength to strength. Thank you, Miriam. And that is all we have time for. So if you want to hear more about what's going on in the world of European tech and startups, please, as always, head over to www.sifted.eu. And if you're going to be in France next Thursday 21st of April please come along to our members event which we are hosting at Station F the enormous startup campus in Paris it would be really really nice to meet you in person and we're having another awesome event on May 3rd in Tallinn you can go to our website to buy a ticket or if you're a verified founder or a senior startup leader you can get a free ticket so head over to the website to check that out please also sign up to our newsletters Follow us on Twitter and let us know what you think of the Sifted podcast by emailing one of us, amy at sifted.eu or eleanor at sifted.eu and join us next week. Why did you give them my email? <laughs> <laughs>